Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. We're on the build-up to Valentine's. Some of you are in relationships, some of you aren't, some of you want to be in one, some of you are trying to get out of one. Um, If you're married, you need to stay. All the married guys were like, yep. Um, And so God will move greatly as you humble yourself uh, in those situations. But I was thinking about what can I talk about as we're on the lead up to Valentine's. It's that kind of time of the year. Some of you are going to cringe all the time this week um, as you go into the shops and everything. And it's funny, I really had this, this thought, and I think it's, so, it's more important than I maybe first believed. And it's about something that gets in the way of love. It's one of the biggest blockages potentially in this generation coming through of being able to love well. It'll stop you from loving God and having a relationship with God. And it'll probably stop you from having healthy relationships with people. And as I dug deeper, I realized it was more important than I thought. And so today's message is called How to Kill Entitlement. How to Kill Entitlement. Let's pray. God, I just pray and thank you, Father, that you sent Jesus to be the answer. And he simply, he just is. He done it all the cross. And if we can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, everything begins to work and make sense. So God, help us to fix our eyes in Jesus. Give me the words to speak. Speak through your Holy Spirit into many situations. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is really um, quite interesting. I'm going to break it down a bit at the start and then kind of go into the solution at the end. Um, But I want to start with this, just to put it in your mind. Uh, Jesus, a simple statement in Matthew 20, it says this, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So as a ransom means as a payment to the problem, the debt that we owe and the debt that we have, which is sin. So essentially, something in servanthood, something in service, something in laying your life down breaks the chains of sin. There's something that is so potent and and powerful in in Jesus not coming with entitlement to the earth because he was a king. He was rightful. He was perfect. He should have had the red carpet out. He should have had a Rolls Royce, but he had a donkey. And he didn't expect or, or, or demand the treatment that he really deserved. Are you with me? And there was something in that that broke the chains of sin. The spirit that he carried was the opposite to sometimes we as people have or the world would promote, which is, I want more riches for more power, for more possession, so I can have privilege, the red carpet, the Rolls Royce. And how often, let's be honest, the world is completely up. It's all over the show, you know, as far as the, the finances, provision, 
all that stuff is not equal. It's not spread evenly. It's all over. It's completely ridiculous in some ways and where we can very easily ignore issues. I've seen a, a picture this week of a kid sleeping in mud. How do you break that? How do you change that? It's awful. The world's broken. The flow of the world is broken. It's upside down. It's inside out. It's, it doesn't add up. It doesn't work. It's not fair. But Jesus, there's something in this. So what is entitlement? Entitlement is a spirit. Entitlement is based on a person's belief that they deserve privileges or recognition for the things they did not earn. People experiencing this sense tend to believe that the world owes them something in exchange for nothing. Entitled people have high expectations that often go unmet, which can lead to a disappointment, psychological stress. Entitled individuals are also likely to have difficulty maintaining positive relationships. It messes up your relationships. When someone with a sense of entitlement doesn't get what they want, they may lash out at others with anger or frustration. Their attitude may fluctuate often, especially when things don't go their way. Entitlement is an enemy. Entitlement will get in your way, ruin your relationships, and honestly will stop you from being able to receive God's love and to love God. So where do we get a source of entitlement? Some of you are probably thinking, oh, that's someone who just gets everything what they want when they're young. Well, that's one of them. Maybe if you're spoiled. Really, if a, if a child is always told yes and never told no, what can happen is a sense of entitlement. They go into adult life and just expect everyone around them to do what happened at home, which is get everything I want. And then when it doesn't happen, they get mad at people. They lash out. This is not fair. Why, what's wrong with you? You're the problem, not me. Because they never had no. And no is important. So they're spoiled. Um, but the other side is also true. Victim. Maybe you got nothing, you got trauma, you, you, you got abuse, whatever it is. That can also breed entitlement, interestingly. In some cases, after experiencing mistreatment, unfairness, or neglect, some people develop an entitled attitude. For example, a child who was deprived of love and affection may grow up to demand it of other people. Why? Because it's fear-based. You better love me because you're going to trigger my fear. You're going to trigger my neglect, my memories of, of being left alone, so I need you to give me everything I want, and if you don't, then I'm triggered. Entitlement. I'm owed. The problem with entitlement is it puts us at front and center of our story. So, so for instance, maybe some feelings you might have if you're entitled or there's a portion of entitlement in you, because we're not all, it's not black and white, it's gray. You maybe feel discontent. No one wants to be discontent, but you might feel that way. You might feel envy or resentment over, being, over the blessings of others. You might feel disappointed at life. Um, you might doubt God's faithfulness and provision for you. Um, or often unfavorably compare yourself 
and your situations with others. And let's be honest, we all do that to a certain extent. But the solution, how cool is this? To put ourselves at the front of our story is to put Jesus in the center. <laughs> it's starting to make sense that Jesus and God said, you got to fix your eyes on Jesus. Paul said, fix your eyes on Jesus, the perfecter of your faith. The completeness of your soul. The answer to your problem. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Jesus at the center and not me. And so that's going to offend your soul probably. Because you're like, well, what about me? <laughs> what, I want help. I want love. I want to be valued. The beauty about it is when Jesus is at the center, all that comes with it. He's got... He is the source of life. He is your breath. Just we forgot about it. He was hovering over the earth in the beginning. Jesus didn't, listen, Jesus didn't just appear on the earth 2,000 years ago. He was already there. He just came in human form. He's your life source. I love this. Apostle Paul said this. He gets it. This is why he was empowered. This is why he was effective. He says, but by the grace of God, this is not on the screen, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Watch this. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder. So it's not that he didn't work hard. It's not that he just sat back. It's not that he didn't do anything that deserves credit. But he says, though it was not I, but the grace of God or Christ in me. He's, he's, he's realized that, hey, everything I've got, even though I did work hard, even I, I did believe the right way and I did make good decisions, yes, that was me. But I remember that it's Christ who gave me breath, who, who began my story. He allowed me to, to be formed in my mother's womb. It is God not I. It is Christ. Are you with me? And the danger is when we start to believe that, oh, I, I deserve this, it's because we've put ourselves at the beginning of our story as if we created ourselves. But the truth is, which brings freedom, is you didn't. So a spirit of entitlement separates us from God and makes us forget our Savior and our dependence on God's mercy and grace. That's why Jesus is saying, all throughout, as we're doing our soaps, in the book of Matthew, you're saying Jesus teaching people, he says, you've got to come like a little child if you want to inherit the kingdom of God. What does a little child do? They become dependent on their parents, on their father and their mother. If you don't have that dependence and that understanding that you didn't come from yourself, you came from God. Every child that is born is a miracle of God. Yes, man and woman play a part in the process, but you can't create a human without God's hand, without God's touch. So I'm going to read this scripture in John 13 and 1. It says this, It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to his Father, or go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he, he had now showed them the full extent of his love. That was his goal. 
The evening meal was being served, and the devil already prompted, what's this, Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. So he got up from the meal. This gave, because Jesus knew where he was from, where he was going, this gave him the ability to do things and express kinds of love that we could just dream of. And it's possible, but only possible when you know of where you're from and where you're going. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water in the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. In this, in this culture, people would have wore sandals. The ground was dusty. Their feet were always dirty. So that was probably a common practice, like us washing our hands, with washing their feet. But it was, lowly, it was a lowly task, a servant's task in the household would have done those kinds of things for the masters. And here Jesus came as a king, a savior king, but decided to show, he was trying to show them something. He was trying to let them in, into the secret of the kingdom, of how, how you fulfill your purpose. He was ready to go home. This was his, some of the last gold that he wanted to share with them. He's, and he'd done this, but what really stood out to me is he'd done it to Judas knowing that Judas would betray him as a friend. Come on, anyone had any friends? Don't put your hands up. That you feel has betrayed you. Well, Jesus was able to serve them the same way that he served the people that wouldn't. <laughs> you know, what, what kind of emotion comes up in you <laughs> when someone betrays you? Especially the people that are closer. Maybe feelings of hate feelings of disbelief. You would even go on down the line and say, I was traumatized by that experience. But here Jesus knew exactly what was about to happen and he still bowed the knee and he still washed their feet. What's the point? That when Jesus is at front and center, he gives us the ability, he frees us to love people the way God does. He breaks the cycle of sin. Because our sinful mindset is an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You don't like me, I don't like you. But what breaks the sin, because here's the thing, why does someone betray you in the first place? They're broken. They need healed. They need hope. They need light in the darkness of their soul because they're living for themselves. They're front and center in their own life. Jesus came to break it. He came to show it. He came to demonstrate the kingdom in practice. And so Jesus brings freedom. How much of your life is, and your time is wasted by comparison to the Judases, by unforgiveness to the Judases, to the people that betrayed you? Could you wash their feet? I'm telling you, in a human way, I don't think you could do it with a good heart. But if, you're, if you can start to see through God's lens, then you can. You'll have supernatural love. And it will break the chains of the Judases. It will restore families. Jesus brings freedom. I was actually at a thing in one of the local schools this week. 
just volunteering. And it was interesting, I was in, just talking to these business leaders, they were giving advice to some of the students and we we're all trying to help them make good choices in the future. And we just sat around talking, one of the guys started talking about, I don't know whether it was rugby or business world or whatever, but they started talking about climbing the ladder. And it just, everyone started agreeing, like, yeah, have you been around one of those people trying to climb the ladder? It's like, oh, like they'll do anything. They'll, they'll throw you out so quick. Because they just want to climb the ladder in the business. People who you thought you were your friends. People who you thought were for you. People who you thought, you know, even texting you during the week. Your buddy at work. But you see, when it came to climb the ladder, Goodbye friend. And this happens in sport. This happens in church. This happens in business. This happens in school. This happens everywhere. And everyone's just like, oh no, it's, it's so toxic. It ruins the culture. Why? What, where does that come from? When we put ourselves front and center, we start to compete in the world. We start to compete with others. And all it does is steal our freedom, ruins relationships, breaks people's hearts, and you become a Judas. Let's go on to this scripture in John 1, 13. It's Jesus speaking again. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. See, one thing Jesus done is he led from the front. He didn't just talk about it, he exercised it. If we're going to have a culture, a church, that is healthy, that is heavenly, that is full of God's hope, not our hope, that is Jesus at the center, we need people who will lead from the front. We need people who will take it by the horn, so to speak, own it, whether it be in your workplace, whether it be at home, and lead from the front and serve. And when the flesh kicks up, <laughs> take yourself off the throne. Take your glory off the throne and start focusing on Jesus again. Because the only way to love like Jesus did is to put him back in his rightful place, put him back at the center, and it's going to save you a whole lot of hassle. You're going to be able to love people so well it's going to break the cycle of sin. And we're going to see God do great things. And here's a tip for it. You're maybe in the workplace and you're thinking about work right now. Or you're thinking about that person or that Judas or whatever. I love the scripture in Luke 14 and 7. It says this. When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit at the head of the table, trying to climb the ladder, he gave them this advice. If you're invited to a wedding feast, don't always head to the best seat, trying to climb your way up, being, you know, trying to connect with the, the CEO or trying to connect 
with a coach at Linfield, <laughs> trying, trying to connect and make things. Because what are you really trying to do there? You're trying to force their arm. You're trying to force whose will? Your will. And Jesus said, listen, I got you. He says, if you're invited to the wedding feast, don't always head to the best seat. What if someone more respected than you has also been invited? The host will say, let this person sit here instead. Then you'll be embarrassed and you'll have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Do this instead. Sit at the foot of the table, at the worst seat. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place than this for you. As he sees your servant heart, as he sees you not trying to manipulate or... If you see someone trying to manipulate, you don't trust them because they'll try to manipulate you. That's why if you're going to buy a car and you hear a reputation that they're not trustworthy, well, you're not going to buy it in that place either because trust has been broken. But if you see someone that's faithful behind the scenes and has good character, well, then the reputation increases. It says, do this instead, sit at the foot of the table, and then when the host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place than this for you. Then you'll be honored in front of all the other guests. For the proud will be humbled, but the humble will be honored. That's God's way. And you know the beauty about that is, when you put Jesus at front and center, when you put your trust in Jesus for every kind of situation, even this kind of situation, in work, at home, you're free. You can breathe. You can relax. You can actually focus on just who's around me. I don't have to compare. I don't have to contrast. I don't have to stress. I don't have to try and force my will. God's got a pl- if God's got a plan for me, there's a promise attached to it, and if I'm patient and I'm faithful, it will happen. I don't have to force it. God promotes the humble. Um, how, how do we kill entitlement then? Here's some practical ways on how to kill entitlement. It's funny, even this morning, I came in, and to be honest, uh, I had to buy some milk at the shop. Usually we have it all stored up. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to park right beside the door. And, you know, I'm the pastor here, you know. I should get the door. I should be close. I do most work here. That, that wee voice can very easily creep up. And even though I told people to park elsewhere, and so this morning I came and parked beside the door just because I had to bring some stuff in and I didn't want to cart it down the road. And I just realized it's so easy for entitlement to creep in. Well, I've done this and, you know, people didn't see it, but I, I, I was cleaning during the week. All right, I'm giving this. So, you better have the coffee ready, Phil. And it better be hot and it better be good. <laughs> Creeping in. Who's at front and center, though? Who's it all about? See, if we're going to be a church that impacts people, impacts the culture, just like Jesus, we have to see ourselves as a servant. I'm not here to get because I've already got. 
Jesus has done everything I, I need on the cross. He's got my calling sorted. He's got my destiny sorted. He's got my provision sorted. So I'm coming in here whole. I'm coming in here ready to lay myself down to serve. What if we woke up every day like that at our, our workplace, in our home? Jesus is front. God, I'm here to serve you. You're my master. You're my king. Comparison leaves. Fear of the future leaves. And trust is built. So how do we kill entitlement? Number one, we focus. We stay centered on Jesus. Matthew 6 and 6, is not on the screen, says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, scheduled place so you don't be tempted to role play with God. Come on, anyone ever role play with God? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Just role playing, it's empty. It's not real. He wants your heart. He wants your true self. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can. The focus will shift from God or from you to God and you will begin to sense His grace as you take the focus off who? Because everything changed at the cross. Didn't change at your self help, self-effort, good behavior, attendance. The work was finished at the cross. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus, and sometimes that takes time and prayer to settle ourselves and get out of the way. <laughs> I'm trying to prove ourselves. Come on, who's been there where you're trying to prove your worth to God? Like, that was a good prayer, God, right? Like, are you happy with me now? Can you bless me now, please? And God's like, what are you doing? Calm down, like relax. Be yourself. There's freedom in this. Number two, remember. Remember that God doesn't actually owe you anything. <laughs> when did we believe that? God, you owe me. You owe me this, God. What? What if your kids came to you and said that? <laughs> Give me that money now, Dad. You owe me. Hey, wait a second. I took you into this world. I'll take you right out. You know, you've heard parents say that because they're like, well, who you Entitlement. You forgot how you got into this world. The Bible says in Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So God wanted to help, but he didn't have to. He could have just wiped the earth and started again. But he's a redeemer. He loves us. He sent Jesus to save us. But he didn't have to. And the Bible even says, our efforts, our good works are like filthy, filthy rags. I'm not even going to tell you what that means. Go research it. But it's not, it's not worth much. So God doesn't need us, but we do need him. And he does love us. Let's remember that. You'll get free from it. This is about freedom. I'm not trying to make you feel bad and worthless. Number three, gratitude. Start every day. Stephen done a great job last week. And he, he touched on that. Gratitude. Thankfulness. How often do we forget about being thankful? 
And when we do, we're al- something shifts in our spirit. Thank you, Lord. Actually, it says in the Bible, I think it's in Romans, says the will of God is to be thankful. <laughs> That's it. That's a great place to start. Number four, pursue contentment. Make peace with, God, with what God has put in your hand. If it's not in your hand, you don't need it right now. Let the idols of what you think you should have die. Who told you that you should have it? See, there's a father of truth and there's a father of lies. It's time to let go of the lies. They're stealing your joy. They're stealing your purpose. They're getting in the way of what God actually wants to do. Put Jesus back on the throne. And lastly, serve. The biggest antidote to a spirit of entitlement is just what Jesus said. It's our value. Serving is our calling. It's to lay down your life and to wash the feet even of the people who will never help you and never give you anything in return. Might even work against you in a human perspective. But listen, David had a Judas called Saul. And Saul was his training ground for king. So it doesn't matter who they are, God's purposes will remain. God will fulfill his dream and his promises in your life. No Judas can stop you. No Saul can stop you. No man can stop God's plan. The only thing that can stop you is if you take your eyes off Jesus. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.